Mark your calendars now to join us in person in 2023. You don't want to miss CBP Connects Milwaukee, happening June 19th to 21st, 2023. Two days of interactive workshops paired with nightly receptions showcasing three of Milwaukee's finest breweries. This is your opportunity to connect face-to-face with your fellow craft beer professionals and leave with actionable strategies for your brewery to be more successful. This is a not-to-miss intimate experience. Visit cbpconnects.com for more information. Hello, everybody, and this is day two of Panel Fest. If this is your first time popping in, or maybe you're dropping by months in the future, you're taking part in an exciting event featuring 10 panel conversations over two days. I'm thankful for all the industry thought leaders willing to share their knowledge and hope you are inspired. Huge thanks to Beer 30 by The Fifth Ingredient and Harvest Host for all your support from PanelFest. Harvest Host is helping over 500 breweries increase revenue with overnight RV stays, and now I want an RV to visit each of your tap rooms. But first, Let's meet our guest for the day. And Ryan, because you are to the right of me, you get to go first. Awesome. Uh, so, hey, everybody. My name is Ryan Roberts. I'm owner and operator and bartender and plumber, delivery driver, and sometimes brewer at R&R Brewing in eastern North Carolina. We're in Mount Olive, North Carolina, the population of 5,000 people. Um, but we're a three-barrel brew house, um, and we've been open for about four years now. And... Um, we started using Harvest Host uh, towards the end of 2020, and um, it, it's been probably one of the best decisions that, that we've made as far as how to generate some uh, some extra revenue uh, for, for the brewery. So um, I guess just that, that's about it in a nutshell as far as who I am and what we do. Awesome, Ryan. Well, I love visiting small towns. So what's your favorite thing about Mount Olive? Oh man, uh, honestly, it's just it, it's it's almost like you took Mayberry uh, and duplicated it. it. It's a small town, but it still has a lot of new uh, things going on. So it's just really that that sense of community, and and, and I don't really know how to describe it other than that. It's just uh, I love being able to just almost walk anywhere I need to, and and um, that that that's something that's nostalgic about it, I guess. Awesome. Well, I hope to visit someday. Now, Wes, you're up. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for having us, Andrew. Wes Clark. I'm the chief of staff at Harvest Host. Uh, I wear a lot of hats here, maybe not as many as Ryan, but uh, one of the the most important ones I wear is overseeing our host network, which is uh, the small businesses and farms that we connect to RV travelers all across North America. And I always say without hosts, there is no Harvest Host. Um, Absolutely love our 4,500 hosts on the platform, including over 500 breweries. including the three we have on the on the call today or, or on the Zoom today. Um, but really just out there trying to find small businesses and make sure small businesses and breweries are set up for success with our unique program, um, which we think is, is truly one of a kind in North America and a great addition for any brewery looking to increase traffic, increase revenue, and have an awesome time meeting some super, super cool travelers along the way. So um, and travel and beer are two of my favorite things, of course. Exactly, exactly. And uh, keep on keep on traveling to the next one. So Wes, you know, obviously, you probably travel a little bit yourself. Any highlights of places you visited this year? Yeah, um, I mean, I've hit up some breweries, uh, not overnight stays. That's a little harder to do with my little ones right now. Um, But I like to to tour all the breweries on the program in South Carolina, which is where I'm based. Um, Was just up at Low Tide Brewing having a great time there. Amazing food. 
amazing space, uh, super fun uh, guy, Hunter running the place. So that's a recent highlight. And then I also love taking my little kids out to the farms where they can bet the alpacas and play with the goats. Different experience from the brewery world, but uh, trying to keep it balanced for both mom well, and dad the, as well as the kids. The real win, and I have a three-year-old as well, when you get to visit that farm brewery that has the alpacas, then everybody yeah. is lucky. I feel like, we, like there's a whole new category waiting to happen here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> now, Betsy and John, very nice to meet you both today. Tell us a little bit more about what you do. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> we are the owner and operators of Wiedemann Brewery in um, St. Bernard, Ohio, which is St. Bernard's kind of little an enclave surrounded by the city of Cincinnati. We're about five miles north of downtown Cincinnati. And uh, we do everything except make the beer here. Uh, we revived the Wiedemann brand, which has been around since 1870. Um, it used to be over in Newport, Kentucky, right across the river. Um, we uh, acquired the, the rights to Wiedemann and revived it. We've been open now about five years and uh, having a great time with it. We've been with Harvest Host now, I think, three or four years, almost yeah. since the beginning. So I imagine there's quite a story behind it, but you know, the short version, why did you want to revive the Wiedemann's brand? Well, it was, it was, it was a great beer. I drank plenty of it over many decades. Um, and I know there's lots of Wiedemann fans all around the country. So it was, it was just, I thought it was just a natural thing with what was going on with the craft beer. It was not a craft beer before, but it's definitely a craft beer now. So, uh, just thought it'd be a lot of fun and uh, make us millionaires eventually, which so we've gotten the, the fun part done. We're still working on the second half of that. Someday, someday. Well, I hope to visit someday. Yes. I know there's lots of big things going on in Ohio and craft beer right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Paul, thanks for joining us as well. And you're last but not least, but I'd love to little learn a little bit more about you. Sure. My name is Paul Ottinger. I'm one of the owners and uh, the head brewer at Powell's Brewing Company in North Platte, Nebraska. Uh, if you don't know where North Platte is, you just touch the center of the country and you're not too far away from where we're at. Uh, it's a four minute drive off Interstate 80. So for Harvest Host travelers in particular, it's a really ideal location um, for hosting. Uh, we've been in the Harvest Host program for a couple of years. And some of my absolute favorite interactions are actually with people in the Harvest Host program because there are people that are seeking out experiences. And I'm kind of one of those experience seeking guys. I'm the guy who's always traveling around looking for whatever live music shows are going on and the places I travel and where are all the hip places to get food and drink and things like that. So those are the types of people that show up at our brewery. Um, and if I could show my virtual background, I could show you kind of the area where the Harvest Host people actually hang out. We have a two acre lot next to the brewery. And so anybody uh, with a giant rig, which is what a lot of Harvest Host folks are actually towing along, uh, with their hundred thousand dollar truck, um, it's just it's just been a good thing for us. So um, I'm looking forward to sharing some experiences, and um, hopefully uh, my phone won't ring for one of the fifteen brewery hats I have to wear as well. <laughs> I love it. Now, Paul, you mentioned you met some interesting people through Harvest Host. Any stories you'd like to share? Yeah, <laughs> probably my favorite. Uh, unfortunately, it was during the pandemic. So uh, we had, you know, a lot of folks were traveling, looking for places to um, 
not stay in a hotel. So they, a lot of people were towing their RVs. And um, I just, I, I look at the people's names who are going to stay at our location every day, just in case somebody pops in that I know, I, I want to make sure I go in and see them. Well, one day I looked and it said, Jill Lesh. And I went, Jill Lesh. Well, I only know one Lesh and it's Phil Lesh from the Grateful Dead. So I got online and did some looking and I'm like, well, sure enough, uh, Phil Lesh is married to Jill Lesh. So we started talking about it in the brewery and sure enough, we got an email the day before saying that, yes, indeed, this is Phil Lesh coming in, hot off the New York shows that he did. Uh, I think it's back in 2020. And so the funny thing about it is uh, we had a gentleman whose first day on the job at Pals uh, started the same day that they were supposed to show up for their stay. And so unfortunately, I didn't show up till really late at night. So we didn't get a lot of chance to spend with them. But um, when they did show up, this guy's on his first day. He's a huge deadhead. And he gets to meet Phil Lesh at the brewery <laughs> program on his very first day. So um, he got a picture with him. I got a picture with him. It was it was just a ton of fun. It sounds like the best first day ever. For him, yeah. He 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 <laughs> we talked about it several times after, and he's since moved back to Colorado, but he was like, you know, it's just not every day you start a job and get to meet your dream musical icon like the first day. <laughs> like, yeah, that's pals. Welcome to pals. <laughs> I love it. You know, I have to visit. Every other cool. day, it's a piece of smoking equipment. Today, it's Phil Lesh. Love it. Well, now, everybody, you know, each of you are offering out-of-this-world experience at your breweries. What made you want to go beyond just crafting great craft beer? The demand. I mean, I'm in a super small population. So the more that the public found out about who we are and what we were doing, the more they wanted to rent our, rent our facility for private events and it was almost like out of a necessity where they were they were learning about craft beer kind of for the first time in this area but in addition to that they were throwing ideas at us as the business about well could you do this could you do that so it was it was basically our our initial lead into branching out of just making craft beer and, and selling it was um the general public and the population of the community that we're in uh kind of proposing that demand and Ryan, what was one of those early ideas that one of your guests suggested that you tried out? Oh, um, good Lord. Uh, well, we did the pet like lights. Oh man. Well, we did, we do pet adoption events. I mean, basically anything you could think of that would bring the community in. We had a, we had an eight year old's birthday party here one Saturday morning of, of all things. When I'm at the house brewing recipes and thinking about brewing beer, I didn't think I was going to open an establishment that would be throwing birthday parties, but um, we do, we have a cookie decorating class that books up within less than an hour, almost every single time that, that we host it. So it's just the community, the community uh, just really responded well when we said, look, we're going to, we're going to try this thing out. Um, and um, that they, they, they've done the same thing with our beers. I mean, I, that's kind of why I'm in the business. I, I was a musician uh, before this and it was like, uh, you can only get so far only playing the music you want to hear. You know, you got to kind of respond to the crowd that that is paying your bills. So um, that's how we ended up making a pickle beer because we're in Mount Olive, home of the best selling pickle brand in the nation. So it was kind of a, a thing we had to do. So yeah. is it a collaboration with Mount Olive Pickle? Uh, I, I cannot uh, officially uh, 
confirm or deny that. Um, but <laughs> but we worked uh, we worked very closely with them to make sure there wouldn't be any kind of cease and desist. <laughs> so yeah, very cool. Good work on that. Yeah. Betsy and John, how about you? You know, what made you want to go beyond just the brand you revived, but also, you know, put on memorable experiences? Well, when we when we got this property where we built our brewery, it's it's uh, it's a big property and it's along the uh, it's an adjacent to an old canal path that used to run from Lake Erie to the Ohio River. And so we thought we might as well use that. We got this big parking lot and beer garden with it, and it's right adjacent to the canal path, which runs about a half a mile uh, down the road a bit. So we thought it would be just a good opportunity to bring people in rather than just come and only drink great beer, but also, you know, do some other things. And so we have put a big stage in there in the beer garden. We have concerts and we've had uh, beer can collectors shows in there and uh, all kinds of things and pet adoption like Ryan and uh, those, those sorts of things. And it's just uh, Cincinnati's got a lot of breweries, so you got to do things that are different to want to make people come to your your place. So we just took advantage of the uh, facility we had in the surrounding area. When you first opened the brewery, was it your goal to do more than beer, like have concerts, have bring in the, the beer collectors, things like that? Or is it something you found you needed to do to stand out? I think it's it, it was something that we had in mind when we got this uh, site where we built the brewery, it's, it's actually an old funeral home. So that's uh, created some opportunities also. But uh, Okay, now you have to go into that one. Talk about the opportunities that, you know, put out there. Well, I mean, we get a lot of people who come there specifically because it's a funeral home. They want to go down and go down to the old embalming room, which is where our canning line is. And they want to, you know, check it out and see if there's any ghosts around. We've had people come in and bring these strange contraptions, you know, to see if there's spirits flying around. And they tell us there are, but I, I can't say I've had any experience with them yet. So uh, yet to be seen. Are you doing a, like a haunted Halloween brewery tour or anything? Oh, yeah, we do. We do Halloween tours and things like that. Yeah. We no, had seances. We had seances this past Halloween. Yeah, Somebody. Cadaver, Cadaver Cave Ale. Well, we've got to be kind of sensitive about it because uh, in the local community where we are, you know, just about everybody has been in that funeral home <laughs> at one point or another, some multiple times. So, yeah, I didn't want to make it want to asking guests if they've been here before. That's something you might not want to ask, I guess funny well paul how about you you know what made you want to go from just making really delicious beer to offering complete experiences yeah so we're most of our business partners are family members so we're kind of a small family-owned brewery and originally we thought maybe we open a brewery in the downtown but part of our part of our business plan was always to have events and uh, kind of be a community gathering place and we couldn't find any outdoor space available in the downtown area. There were some buildings, but no parking, um, nothing where we'd be able to say, put up a stage and, and you know have live music or anything like that. So we found a four acre parcel on a kind of a newly um, installed road. It had been put in about four years before we started talking about doing the brewery. And it's out in the country outside of the city limits. 
And so that allowed us to do a lot of things that we wouldn't be able to do inside the city. And of course we have plenty of outdoor space. So we always wanted to have things like cornhole. We always wanted to have live music events. We wanted to host parties and benefits, Phil Lesh. Um, So that was always kind of part of the plan. And I mean, we do any kind of event that anybody wants to put on. Um, We do uh, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 50 nonprofit events. It feels like a year. These are just various fundraisers and different things. Um, And then of course we have our own events. Um, We have trivia on Monday nights, which doesn't involve our outdoor space, but uh, we do a fair amount of live music in spots, comedians. Um, We've hosted some wedding receptions. Um, We do some biking events because we have a bike trail right across the street from us. Um, The uh, local running, I don't want to call it a club, but there's a running series in town. Um, Several of those events will run right across the street so we can do things like put up a uh, tent for hospitality and things like that. Um, so yeah, it, it was always a plan from the very beginning. I think, you know, being from Wisconsin, we spent a lot of time in bars, um, but bars are, well, I mean, bars are bars. I mean, it's a great place to consume alcoholic beverages with your friends. However, it's not, maybe not always as experiential. Um, when I think about the, uh, the quintessential Wisconsin bar is about as big as my kitchen that I'm looking at. <laughs> and there's 10 seats in it and there's not much going on, maybe a dartboard. Um, but we, we really, like I said, I like to seek out adventures when I go places. So we really wanted to give people a space where there's something to do. So we have an outdoor volleyball court, uh, court and we have volleyball league um, three nights a week in the summertime. We have an outdoor grain bin bar so you can, you can rent that if you're having an event or we have it open all summer long. You can go outside and get a beer and kind of enjoy the open space. Let your kids run around. Being family oriented was one of the goals right from the beginning. Paul, you have a lot going on. I think you mentioned 40 to 50 partner events. You mentioned tons of unique types of things people can come and attend. Do you have an events manager or what type of staff do you have that helps organize all these events and get togethers? We do. Uh, she wears multiple hats, but she's in charge of events and she also does our social media right now. And then um, she also gets involved a little bit in taproom management. So she kind of backs up our general manager. But yeah, to have that number of events, it just, um, you know, for me, uh, being the head brewer, my main focus is just trying to make sure that everything's good with the beer. But I also have to wear my business hat and make sure that, you know, we're not losing money. <laughs> Um, and so also I'm kind of like the head maintenance guy. Cause we imagine a brewery that has a lot of equipment. I, I think I counted, we have like 18 pieces of heating and cooling equipment at our brewery. Um, it's just a lot of stuff to keep an eye on a lot of stuff to maintain. So there's a lot of hats to wear. So we have to have somebody dedicated to events or we, we wouldn't do a good job of doing them justice. So that's kind of mandatory. No, absolutely. No, Wes, you know, obviously you're talking to a lot of breweries wearing your Harvest Host hat, but, you know, these breweries that are reaching out and interacting with you, their goal is obviously to create a more memorable experience at their facility. You know, do you see any trends with regard to the people you interact with and the brewery's goals? You know, any unique observations that you've, you know, experienced? Yeah, I mean, I think I love working in the craft beer industry. I feel like it's just very collegial and there is a sense of community. I mean, you can hear it on the call here. Um, 
you guys are at the heart of your communities in, in various ways with various events and activities. And uh, it's a theme I've seen across, you know, hundreds of different locations that we work with is just this, this place to gather, not only enjoy a good beverage, but also just bring the community together. And everyone seems to embrace that, uh, which is fantastic. And I think on our side, the RV community has also got that same sense of community and that same sense of passion. And so combining the two has always just been a perfect fit. Um, I love hearing the amazing things people are doing from this group with live music and running and Halloween spooky houses to, uh, I mean, I've talked to folks doing goat yoga and uh, Harry Potter bands and trivia. So I'm always- Wait, is that Harry Potter bands as in like people playing Harry Potter music or Harry Potter trivia or band trivia or all the above? It was, I think it was a- um, a, a cover band that dressed up in Harry Potter garb, I, I think. Um, I don't remember all the details, but I mean, people are just coming up with the most creative activities and ways to engage the community and, and be a hub and not only a place to get good beer, but to have good times. And I really, I love that part of working with the brewery scene. Um, it's super fun bringing our, our community to that community and seeing what happens. Awesome. I love that feedback. Now, for Ryan, Paul, Betsy, and John, you know, as you've incorporated experiences as part of your brewery, you know, how have you seen your brand grow? Any unique observations that you've experienced? Any success, cool data points you'd like to share? Uh, definitely utilizing the Harvest Host, uh, you know, throw them, throw them an extra stack of stickers and be like, hey, you know, tag us on your travels. And that, that's been pretty huge um, because we, we're a pit stop town. Um, we're not a destination really and, and incorporating harvest hosts made us a little bit more of a destination but people are still on their way somewhere else um so you know we we the, of course they always patronize the business you know buying a, a, a little bit of swag here and there but uh i always love to just throw some koozies and some stickers and, and tell them you know tag us uh, so i'm my part of my professional education was was social media marketing and so I'm really a huge proponent of that because it's it's next to nothing, you know, as opposed to a billboard or a radio advertisement. And um, these people love it because um, we noticed, especially because of COVID, a lot of people retooled the way that they were living their lives. Um, some people were towing, you know, trailers that were worth more than the homes that they sold uh, whenever they decided to revamp their lifestyle. And, and they wanted to document that. And, and so almost, every i'm going to say every 10th to 11th person that comes through here either has a youtube channel or has started a specific instagram page or something of that nature and they do though some some people will do just like a multi-picture post and, and and kind of highlight our place for us um some people have even gone as far as to set up a camera and do like a small you know interview similar something similar to this so um, that, that's been, that's been a huge, uh, thing for us as far as branding and, and just reaching out to a bigger demographic in a bigger area. That's fascinating, Ryan. I think it really goes to the statement. You never know who your next guest is going to be. That person at the end of the bar could have a YouTube channel with a million followers and they could be making a video about it, either really great experience or perhaps a not so great experience. So <laughs> definitely worth showing them the best you can. I love that. That's fantastic. We've, we've gotten a lot of, I think because of the location where we're at on I-80, we, we see travelers from all 50 states all summer long. Um, everybody's going somewhere. And the greatest conversation you can have with someone, in my mind, um, the most humbling one is when someone says, you know, you have your typical, hey, where are you in from? And, and they ask you about you. And then they say, 
you know, we stop here every year. I'm like, you mean you've been here before? They're like, yes. Uh, we actually were here the very first year you were open. And every year when we go visit our son in Denver, we actually make a point of stopping at your brewery every time. And we plan the entire schedule around being able to stop at your brewery. And it's just so humbling that people in, had enough of an enjoyable experience that they're planning their entire vacation around coming back. It blows my mind every time. And it's, it's uh, gratifying to uh, know that all that hard work is, is uh, being appreciated by someone. I definitely speak to the value experience that you're creating because people are literally planning trips to come back to your brewery. That's the ultimate repeat customer. Yeah, it, it, it is. And a lot of those folks, believe it or not, are actually Harvest Host members. That's really and we cool. hear that all the time, like people coming back time and time again, uh, or ordering product online or wherever they can find it in stores. Um, you know, obviously three-tier distribution system makes that a little harder in this category, but it's... Um, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, we have a super, super loyal membership base and it's awesome to hear these stories from your side of, of the world and, and hear how these stories are impacting your business and also just how much fun you're having running your tap rooms and your, and your operations. Definitely. So Betsy and John, you know, from your perspective, once you started doing more than beer, you know, what are some of the success stories that you have had with regard to, you know, just seeing more repeat customers, seeing higher tabs, seeing people just come back a little more frequently. What are some of the things you're noticing? Oh, particularly with the Harvest Host visitors we get, I'm, I'm always surprised at um, how many of them came there specifically because it was Wiedemann Brewery and they had drank Wiedemann beer a uh, long time ago. And they said they, you know, they were looking at planning out their trip wherever they're coming from or going to. And uh, but they would specifically come in there to uh, go to the Wiedemann Brewery and relive a little bit of their past and uh, try the beer and see how it is. Uh, we get a lot of people from Michigan. I don't know, Michigan or Wiedemann must have been very popular up there because we get lots of people and uh, all the time. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. Now, is there anyone still, I'm assuming the Wiedemann was a family and anyone from the Wiedemann family who's, you know, come to visit? Oh yeah, yeah. We were, we were in touch with them when we were getting the whole thing organized and uh, we've uh, made, stay in touch with them couple of them are uh, in our investment group and uh, they've been very supportive. Yeah. Very cool. Now, John and Betsy, I know you've also launched a beer garden. And since you've launched this beer garden, have you seen an increase in traffic or perhaps a different age of clientele coming through? Yeah, I think so. Uh, weather, Depending on the weather, of course, but uh, definitely it's helped, especially in the good weather. Uh, we get some huge crowds for that and uh, do all kinds of things down there for uh, concerts and other events. And it really gives us a chance to do different things that you can't do, obviously, just in a small indoor space. Now, I know the weather is getting cold, especially in Ohio, but any exciting events in the beer garden coming up for the rest of the colder season? Not really. It's pretty much shut down at this point. It's, it's, it's mostly a parking lot now. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, hopefully that tap room's yeah. packed. Yeah. Now, Ryan, I've heard you offer a lot of themed and seasonal events at the brewery. How do you yeah. continually stay creative in what you do in trying to attract new customers through these events? Oh, man, it's a mixed bag because it's almost like every week you want to reinvent the wheel, uh, but you got to keep the wheel the same at the same time. Um, 
but there's some, something to be said with creating habitual behavior. You know, we, I, I, people are, are used to the fact that we we do an outdoor movie night. They might not know what movie they may not know the theme per se. But so we're trying to do this healthy blend of staying consistent with our, our you know, quarterly uh, rotational seasonal events. Um, but but throwing a twist on it, of course, we're having the tacky Christmas sweater party uh, on December 22nd. Um, and, and on top of that, um, we're, we're, we've got trivia going anyway. So we trying to combine the two where the more you dress up, the more points you get for trivia, you know, um, part of, part of my previous experience was running a program for like a, a camp, a summer camp. And that's kind of the same thing. Yeah. The best part was I was working for a nonprofit. So you have pretty much no budget to work with, which is pretty much tit for tat as, as far as the brewery goes right now. So um trying to stay relevant though I, I believe that the the best way that you can create some some rotational and seasonal events is uh keeping your ear to the ground on what trends are going on no matter how ridiculous they may seem at the time i remember the ice bucket challenge and uh all these different things and they were for raising awareness and and all that stuff but um yeah right. it, are, you saying, are you saying you're making glitter beer no no we do not now no, we don't. We don't do glitter beer. We don't do pumpkin beer either. No offense to anybody that does, um, but we made a sweet potato pie beer, and, and and North Carolina is known for sweet potatoes. So it it takes a lot more thought than people may realize. Every social post, every image, every time we roll out something new, it wasn't you know just a bunch of people drinking beers around a fire, and they're like, you know what we should do. Um, sometimes you know it, you. Sometimes it does happen like that, but but you have to push those thoughts. Um, so that sweet potato pie beer was because sweet potatoes are a huge export from our area. So it was able to resonate more with our area than anything pumpkin flavored would. Um, so just just stuff like that. That's actually what we're doing on that. At the same night as the tacky Christmas sweater event, we're releasing a, a bourbon barrel uh, porter and a peanut butter chocolate stout pastry stout. There's so many going on, so it's like it's hard to cipher through them. But so that porter sounds fantastic. But I do have a question for you, Ryan. Yeah. Have you already picked out the sweater you're gonna wear? Oh, first of all, I, it's a grand. It's my grandmother's classic. All right. It's a, it's a Belk Tyler original. I, you just got to see it to believe it. It, it. it was. My grandmother refuses to admit that it's a tacky Christmas sweater, but it was. It was purchased uh, at Belk Tyler, and it is. Yes. It. it, it I, I've won probably five or six sweater competitions just with that one. I love it. I hope to see pictures on social media at some point. Now, follow yeah. up there, Ryan, more serious question. You know, when okay. you have events like Tacky Trivia and the other things you've discussed today, how do you evaluate the success of each and determine whether or not you're going to do it again or what to change or whether or not you just scrap it? Uh, three main Three main factors, really. There's going to be how well we did versus last year, which is going to get easier for us as we get older um being only four years old and our second year business was COVID, it's kind of hard to have historical uh comparisons there's going to be just the general day of you know how much did we invest monetarily in this day in the preparation for it versus how much were our total you know sales and revenue and then third is 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 ask ask your people you know ask your ask your employees how do you think it went ask your uh, your patrons that come back, you know, and, and we have that a lot, uh, after the fact feedback, you know, a couple months will go by and somebody will say, you know what, I really did enjoy that. You know, I, I hope you guys do that again. And, 
and take and, and instead of just taking that as a as as the compliment it is and, and then going on with your day, try to make some type of mental note about it or, or document it with your staff in some way and say, hey, look, like I got a lot of positive feedback, even though we didn't make three thousand dollars profit off of that one event. Uh, I think we should do it again because I think and and, I, and, and that right there in, in a nutshell is kind of how we are just as much about our community as we are about ourselves. When people say, you know, he, he didn't make a million dollars in that first two years, but he was participating in all the fundraisers and the golf tournaments and uh, harvest sales and, and everything. So that that's those, those are the three main categories of how we kind of determine if we're going to continue. Oh, and if it wasn't if it doesn't you know, knock it out of the park on all three of those. We still say, can we do it the same? Or can we do the same type of event, but maybe slightly different to, to achieve a better, you know, end result? No, last, is there an event you've got coming up that you haven't tried before that you're pretty excited about? Yes. Um, in February, uh, we have typically done like a small, you know, BYO uh, chili cook-off just for the community. Uh, and, you know, a couple of the participants said we want to kick it up a notch. We want to do a sanctioned event. So we are doing an International Chili Society sanctioned cook-off, and we call it the cook-off before the kickoff. So the Saturday before Super Bowl Sunday, uh, you know, they'll have the tent set up. We'll have the judges here. It's it's going to be a big to do about it, and of course, we're going to get trophies made and all that. So um, it'll be it'll be just as anything else, exciting and interesting and educational. That sounds, sounds fantastic, great. and you're only three hours away from me, so that's kind of tempting, honestly. Oh, really? Hey. Yeah, I'm in Norfolk, Virginia, and that's terribly <laughs> far. I'm looking at time. I like that idea about the cook off before the kickoff. We might steal that. Oh, Go for it, man. R and D yeah, stands for on your other points about you know how you evaluate some. One other thing that we look at a lot is if if it's an event's bringing in new people who haven't been there before. You know, new people that can see what you're offering, and you know. We get great comments from people all the time about our place. First timers come in and say, oh, this place is great because, uh, well, because unlike a lot of other craft breweries, we have a, a lot of history. So our whole place is just filled with old uh, Wiedemann signs and photos and things like that from its 150 year old history. So we try to get people in there who can identify with that and come back. So if we can get an event that brings new people in who haven't been there before, you know that's great because that's that's chance to really build the business yeah now john you know when you say new guest like how are you determining when someone's in your bathroom if they're a new guest is your staff you know say asking is it is your first time visiting here you want it based on recognition you know how do you determine that both really i mean a lot of it you can you can just tell from you know you we're in there every day you know open to close usually so it's uh you, you recognize people have been in there before, even though if you don't know all their names or whatever, but you can you can tell when somebody's a new person because actually it's it's the old funeral home. Most people come in and out the side door. So when they walk in, um, if they're like looking around, like figuring out how to get to the main bar, you, you know, they haven't been there before because it takes a little while. But uh, and, and, and we also, you know, we ask people, we tell our you know servers and things to ask people why they came in, where they're from, things like that. So. Uh, various ways that's fantastic now paul how about you when you have all these events and partnerships that you have how are you evaluating success well ryan hit the the big points i think but we have a couple different types of events so the three types of events i can think of are yes we do events to make you know to bring in revenue of course and we evaluate those basically the same way that ryan did 
what was our you know what was our investment in the event what was the return compared to maybe previous years or what we expected um, sometimes previous years get hard for us because especially in the summer weather plays a huge factor um, but then we also have the nonprofit events so how how successful was it for the nonprofit is kind of the key key driver there and then my favorite type of event though is what I call the advertising events and these are also I think events for thanking your customers so I like to tell our event person, you know, not every event has to be about revenue. Um, you should have events that are about giving back and also just about giving experiences and having fun and thanking your customers. So for example, our anniversary event, um, you know, we, we typically go and get a better band and, and do something big outside. We might do special food. Um, we might get bounce houses for kids. We might, you know, we're going to spend some money because we want people to celebrate. And it's not really about, you know, making money. It's about doing something fun. And so those are my favorite events because I love to plan parties. Um, when you're stressed about, well, gee, I don't know if I can spend that much on this comedian because I don't know if that's a good night for me to sell tickets. And, you know, I don't want to, you don't want to have a drain on resources, of course. You hope at least to break even. Um, from what you would have done otherwise. Um, but the most fun ones are where you can just cut loose and go, no, let's just throw a really cool party. Maybe it's to celebrate something. And what are we going to do? Those are the ones that I enjoy the most. Okay, Paul, when you plan your ultimate party and you have your top three headliners, who's playing that show? I mean, I usually book the Chris Lager band if I ever can. Uh, Chris is a guy out of Omaha uh, and he grew up in Lincoln. He, he's played my place about nine times. It's uh, peace and love, uh, funk, soul, bit of reggae, rock and roll, little country. Um, and it's all his own music. And he's just a great guy. So he's my top headliner usually if I can get him. Uh, but beyond that, if you're looking for bigger acts, I mean, if I could convince Cody Jinks to come, that would be on my list. Uh, and uh, other than that, just give me a big band, horn sections, so I don't care if it's blues, funk, um, throw in some jazz if you want, but just just make some great sound and, and have some great musicians that gets everybody jamming. So. Love we, it. Have yeah, a, right. we have a 10-piece that comes here. A ten, uh, talking about the horn section, we yeah. have a 10-piece piece beach music band, so like that shagging oh. beach music. It's just... It's just everybody's just understands that it's a happy, you know, go lucky kind of feeling. And yeah, you get a 10 piece band in, at our in our little town and you can hear it all the way across the town. I mean, it's it's always a, a good time. Irish music always plays well in a, yeah. in a brewery. In my mind, if you can get a rock and Irish band, yeah. you're, you're never going to you're never going to disappoint. Now, it's been a while, but we haven't mentioned beer probably in about 20 minutes or so because, I mean, you all are talking about such these memorable experiences, these awesome bands, these awesome events. You know, when you're pairing this alongside the beer, people are going to leave and they're going to remember this and they're going to come back. So I love hearing about what the three of you have created and the data you use to kind of back how successful it is. Now, Wes, I believe in one of our conversations, I don't know if it was recorded or not, but you were talking about the financial value of a Harvest Host guest for a brewery. Could you share that with me again? Yeah. I mean, I don't have data specific to breweries, but we know on average our members are spending roughly $50 per stay. Um, I believe our, our 
visits to breweries tend to do a bit better, especially when you add in food. Um, Cause I will say folks are traveling, you know, they tend to use Harvest House on travel days. They're in the car for four or five, six hours. They finally park somewhere. It's, it's stressful driving a big rig. You finally park somewhere. You got a cold beer in your hand. You're hungry. Chowing down on all the amazing food I see. I, I think it was uh, Ryan's got uh, wings or maybe that was Betsy and John. And Paul, I know you got amazing pizzas out there. Like people are psyched to just pull up, grab a beer and some and awesome food and, and hang out. So I think our breweries are doing really, really well. Um, probably a better question for the team here, though. Yeah, it's, it's nothing for a Harvest Host couple traveling in their rig to to run up a $120 tab. You know, maybe one of them grabs a T-shirt. Maybe they get a four-pack of crawlers to go. Uh, dinner, a couple of beers, a piece. And, yeah, it's pretty easy to do. So that that's not uncommon for us. I, I bet you it's similar for Ryan and, and Betsy and John. You know, yeah. we we found that um, they're they're very generous, and um, you know our staff loves dealing with them. Um, and and we're we're located in um, the the center of our community, and um, there are other businesses close by that I know they patronize. Um, you know, fast food restaurants, coffee shops. So that's that's a a good thing for. The community as well so yeah well it's 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 actually a very very huge factor for us it's about 20 percent of a sales fluctuation when we do not offer food um because um we're being a pit stop town uh and i i reference that a lot because i guess it's the quickest analogy to get an understanding is um we're we're about we're a little less than four miles off of i-40 interstate 40 that goes from california to wilmington and of course, we have McDonald's, Burger King, Hardee's, Wendy's, Walmart. We have all of all of that. That's not hard to find, but what's hard to come by are the mom and pops or the the unique uh, menus, the unique things. And and so the food truck model for us has been huge for that because uh, a I don't have to worry about reinventing a menu every week or every month or every season. But um, yeah, it, it could be a, it could be a taco and a Mexicali truck one day, and then the very next day, a good you know Texas brisket and some barbecue, and that that has really been something that has consistently helped keep the lights on here uh, during the slower times of year. Is people coming in for the variety of food just as much as anything else, and it's always a huge hit with the Harvest Host people um, because uh, the biggest relief is we have power and water, and we're walking distance to a really nice park, and they can get dinner and drinks and everything, and they don't ever really have to leave or get back in the vehicle. So that, that's a huge plus for the Harvest Host people. Sounds like a win for everybody. And Ryan, every time you talk, you're just making me hungry with all these mentions of delicious food. I'm doing it myself, yeah. I'm, I'm getting kind of hungry too. <laughs> I love it. Now, Wes, how easy is it for a brewery to get you know signed up to be a host and what's required of them? Yeah, it's super easy is the, the short answer. Um, easiest way to do it is to go to our website, Harvest host.com with an s yep exactly uh and, and there's a tab on there called become a host click on that fill out a form you can either complete the application yourself which is some basic information what days are you open how many spaces do you want to uh, have at your site what's the brief description etc um you get signed up easily that way or you can also just put in your name and we'll have somebody from my team give you a call explain the program in more detail and help get your profile set up for you uh you don't need to offer anything. I mean, I, Ryan 
going above and beyond with, with power and water, that's certainly not required. All we say is you need a patch of land to park a, park a rig. It doesn't have to be paved. It can be gravel. Um, so basically, literally just a parking spot and you're ready to be a host. And um, I know a lot of breweries tend to be in, in more suburban or urban areas. Maybe they're turned off like, I don't know if I have enough room. There are a lot of folks cruising around the country in 25-foot sprinter bands. Um, so you don't need to have 50 feet of driveway for a big rig. You can you can tailor the program to you. I think one of the things I love about working at Harvest Host is um, our goal is really to support small businesses and give the small businesses control of the program and then just push business their way. We don't take a penny from our hosts. Um, we, we love supporting small business. This year, we're expecting to put $40 million back into small businesses' uh, pockets, and, and that's far and away more than we make, and we're proud of that fact. So, um, yeah, it's super easy to get set up. There's no contracts. We make it super easy with our, our customer support and host services team to answer any questions, get you live on the site, and start driving business your way. So, uh, folks watching, feel free to, to visit the link, or you can also send an email to sales at harvesthost.com. I wish I had his, one of the Sprinter bands or RVs. Go ahead, Ryan. Well, uh, what he was just saying is a huge reason probably why I'm sitting in front of this computer is uh, 2020 hit, uh, especially self-finance, small operations, really, really hard. And so I was the king of bootstrapping. If we didn't need it, we sold it. You know, like it, it, if it costs money, we don't talk about it. And uh, I remember that phone call and I will probably remember it for the rest of my life. I was on a ladder doing maintenance repairs, just like Paul, you know, like working on a solenoid valve. And uh, it there was a little bit of a pitch, which I, I get it. You got to have a pitch. And then after uh, the young lady was done, I said, what does it cost? And she said, well, nothing except a, a patch of land and, 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 you know, let them stay there for free one night. And I said, what does it really cost? You know, I'm super suspicious. And, and all of the people that came out of the woodwork that COVID, you know, I know you need some money. Come on. Um, and, and honest to God, we signed up. I said, OK, you know, sign up, gave her the details. And our first visitor was December the 12th. Again, won't forget this either. And the guy pulled up and he was in a sprinter van. And he said, um, what do you need from me? This is my first harvest host. I said, you're our first harvest host guest. What do you need from me? And he was like, I just need to park right there. And I was like, cool. And it has been literally pedal to the metal ever since. That's why we reinvested and doubled down on it was um, with the average guest spending 50 bucks or more. And and meeting new people, which was a, such a sigh of relief after being kind of locked down for, for that, that whole year. Um, and I said, you know what, we'll keep track of the income. And we kept track of the income for the couple of guests that kept coming through. And once we hit a certain amount, I said, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna put uh, 30 amp and 50 amp plugs out there. And then we hit a little bit more, we put water. So um, it was kind of uh, one of those things that paid for its own development uh, over time. That's right, really how many, how many people are you hosting in an evening? Uh, so during the during the migration period, uh, we we do two to three. Uh, I, well, per weekend, I would say about five on average. Um, we've got three spots, uh, and the spots are easily accessible whether we're here or not. You don't need an employee to unlock the gate or anything of that nature. Um, we have three spots outside. Uh, all three have water. Two have thirty amp, and one has fifty amp. And then we have a 50 amp plug inside our, our beer garden backyard area for our food truck. Uh, and, and if we have a, a, a random request, sometimes we'll have people call kind of an, in an emergency situation 
And um, I'll say, yeah, come on. You know, like uh, it's one of those things where uh, there could never be enough people here. I'll, I'll find room for them wherever. So um, the most we've hosted in one given night was five. Um, but on on the platform, we have three just to make sure that we have a comfortable cap. Uh, so those are our three out, outside spaces. Um, but but at our busiest times, we'll have, you know, two per night on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and then, of course, on some slow weekends, we may only have one person. But it has it has been surprisingly consistent uh, throughout the entire year, which I thought it was going to be very, very seasonal. Um, but it, but it just depends on when people are traveling, whether it be for the holidays over those uh, winter and summer months or whether they're headed back and forth. Uh, traveling to visit. We're also a college town. We have a university here in town and that, that has helped out a lot when people realize that they can um, uh, stay here uh, for the weekend with their son or daughter for graduation or whatever tournament sporting event that they've got going on. So we've uh, we've pushed this little, that's why I had this handy. We pushed this little pamphlet to uh, a lot of the university parents um, that we know travel, uh, especially from New York and New Jersey going down to Florida you know, stop and visit with us for a little bit. Are you charging for electric? Nope. Nope. Uh, and, and that's, that's something that's been a debate. Um, uh, this may be just the uh, uh, moral compass thing. I don't really know. Uh, but it's one of those things where if Harvest Host isn't charging me to be on the platform, I'm not going to charge. Uh, I, and, and I am the type of bootstrapper that counts the kilowatt hour demand and the kilowatt hours. Um, but uh, with the amount of money that they they spend here on average, um, that I, I kind of consider it part of that that customer acquisition cost. And people are, by the way, just point of clarification, harvest us. We don't require that. If you offer it, you're you're able to charge for it. So um, hmm. that's a business decision. Again, we like to put the business in the hands of the host. Um, we've got hosts that charge for it. We have hosts that don't charge for it. That see it as a, a hook, like Ryan mentioned um folks that are charging kind of 20 bucks a night just to supplement their income streams it's whatever you want we're here to help answer questions um and support kind of whatever business decision the hosts are making and, and what craft beer fan or adventurous person doesn't want the opportunity to stay overnight at an awesome brewery i mean just the concept alone is fantastic and, and paul you know you have a bed and brews as well so people have the opportunity to stay with you in multiple ways is that correct Yes, a couple of years ago, boy, seems like a long time, maybe three, four years ago now, a property across the street from the brewery, um, it didn't really come up for sale, but the person who owned it approached us asking if we would have any interest in possibly acquiring the property. It's it's kind of a, oh, it's about a almost a two acre, some wooded area, and it has two homes on it. And we had always had this idea to do a bed and brew. And I say bed and brew, basically it's a, you know, an inn associated with the brewery. The original one I saw was a place in Mineral Port in Wisconsin. I think it's called Commerce City Brewing now. And they have like a 12 room hotel mm -hmm. above their brewery pub. And I always thought that was such a great concept. Um, it, the story that comes to mind is I was out in San Diego at, a conference and I wanted to go to Alesmith Brewing. Who wouldn't want to go to Alesmith Brewing, right? And Alesmith is known for those people who know the brewery for their really high alcohol beers. <laughs> so you pull up in your rental car and I go look at the menu and the lowest alcohol beer I think on the visit I was there was maybe 6.7. Yeah. And so of course I get a five ounce of that. It was like a smoked porter or something. But I'm looking at all the other beers and this was 
before Lyft and, and Uber. Um, and all I really wanted to do was get a five ounce taster of all these really awesome high alcohol beers. Cause at that time they were one of the top breweries doing high alcohol beers in the country, but you got to drive. So the ability to go stay at a brewery and not have to drive afterwards. So you can, I'm, I'm not promoting, you know, non-responsible alcohol consumption here, but let's face it. Sometimes you go to a brewery, it's got really good beers. You want to let loose a little bit, right. And not have to worry about driving. So this for us is an opportunity for people to experience the brewery in a different way. So we host them. You get, you get four wooden nickels for a uh, four pints of beer and you get a $20 food voucher when you stay there. So that's kind of included with your stay. So it brings people into the brewery that otherwise wouldn't come in. They look and they go, what are these? Oh, free beer at the brewery. All right, let's go. So they walk over and, and maybe they never would have shown up otherwise. So mm-hmm. It's been fun. Um, it's it's just another way to promote the brewery, have something different and unique. I wish I had a few more on the brewery property, actually, that, that were a little smaller. This is a full house, even though it's one bedroom. And, you know, you, you can't – we have to pay the mortgage. Let's put it that way. <laughs> this has been such a fun conversation. I think it inspires both the crappy professional but also the, the crappier traveler as well to just – you know, want to expand your horizons, try more beers, try new experiences. Now, as we wind down, I want to hear from you all one final time. I've got one question and it kind of involves giving you your advice to others out there, what they can do. So that question is, you know, what advice would you give other breweries regarding the creation of partnerships with local vendors and entertainment to create these awesome experiences you've described today? What do they need to do right now, in your opinion? I mean, for me, I think, especially when you look at the younger generations, offering experiences to your customers is goes a long way to giving them something unique. Anyone can, you know, there's, there's lots of restaurants you could go to. Um, being able to add something to that, I think is really important in this day and age. And so I think it's worth the investment to, to, to have other things. And, and partnering local, I think, is, is more important than ever because it's really important to keep all those dollars in your local community as much as you can. And helping each other in a small town is not just a good idea. It's mandatory, you know, and I, and I, and I say that about everything, whether it's, you know, who you bank with, who you get your insurance with, those are all people paying property taxes in your town, support them. I think it's the best thing you can do as a small business owner, stick together. That's a great tip there. Yeah. And I'd say Ryan, just, I'd say just try different things. Try as many things as you you know as you can. Uh, don't try to overthink it. Do it and uh, see if it works. You might be surprised that you know something sticks and is a huge success. That maybe you didn't even think it would be, but uh, give it a shot. What do you got to lose? John, I think we're kindred spirits because that's my philosophy. Try anything once. Worst case, you know you still have the same slow crowd on a Tuesday night, but best case, your tap room is packed with something that's a little crazy. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Who thought cupcake and beer pairing would be a thing? It's one of our <laughs> most popular <laughs> events. Every every time we do it, it's crazy. Yeah. And 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 that just to kind of echo what Paul said about it's about connection. Connection. It's it's that experience. And uh is it my Angelou? You know, people people may not remember what you said, but they remember how you made them feel, you know, and that's kind of the whole ambiance. That's our motto is rest, relax, enjoy. It's not about drinking beer. It's not about the beer per se. It's about 
an experience. I mean, Coke and Pepsi do it to us all the time. Open happiness or share with a friend. Take that, even though that's extremely commercialized in corporate America, but take that and put some true meaning behind it. And it starts with that hyper localism and then and then actually being transparent about it. We have we have a sour, a lemon blueberry sour, and it's named C240. And it's got a story and people love that. C240 is the badge number of a, a patron of ours who passed away in the line of duty. And every year we take a percentage of that proceeds and we donate it to his charity. And 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 those things give us character. They give us a story to tell, but it gives that consumer an experience. And again, it's all here locally. Um, and like, just like what Paul said, uh, when I call that electrician to put in those those plugs for Harvest Hosts, it's it's a local guy who comes in here and drinks beer. You know, it's it's literally just keeping it uh, as local as possible and, and being transparent without, you know, don't push it on people. It's, it's not something that you've got to really constantly brag about per se, but but you do want to create that awareness and let people know that uh, farm to table was this concept that that came out of nowhere recently. But if you look at our grandparents' generations, farm to table was everything. So it's like history repeating itself, except now we're just, we're way more aware and we can share it due to the internet and social media. So. No, I love hearing these stories. I love hearing about these experiences and I love the memories that they're creating. So Ryan, Paul and Betsy and John, thank you so much. And Wes, if anyone's interested once again in reaching out to Harvest Host, what's the easiest way for them to do so? Just go to the harvesthost.com website, click on become a host, fill out the form and we'll get in touch. We'll get you signed up. You know, we're talking a lot about taking chances on on random things and a unique RV membership program is probably one of those that fits in the bucket. And, um, you know, want to thank these three for taking a chance on us and hopefully others will as well. This has been a fantastic and expiring conversation. So Ryan, Wes, Betsy, John and Paul, thanks again for being here. Hope to stay with you soon. Cheers. Thanks for hosting. Okay. Thanks, thank guys. Thanks. Cheers, all. If you like this content, please subscribe share with other craft beer professionals, and give us a five-star review. Cheers.